Welcome, everyone. We are live for season two, episode nine of the CSA Fireside Chat. We are in Malaysia, beautiful Malaysia, Malaysia that I'm looking forward to visiting with the team from the CSA. I am your chair. My name is Benjamin. I'm proudly Jamaican. I don't know how much more I could stress that. I've said it in every episode, and I will perhaps continue to say it in every episode to come. I have the privilege of sitting with this panel of leaders from Malaysia, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves, starting with Jamila. Well, hello. Um, hi, Assalamualaikum, and a very good um, evening to uh, Ben, yeah, Izwan, and Sukavi. Um, hello, my name is Jamila, and I am. Um, well, I'm I'm actually no longer a student, so uh, I think the capacity of me being here uh is more towards uh of my experience, my past experience of representing Malaysia, uh to the Commonwealth Parliament, and um same goes to Izwan. I was the former vice president of MPPK, the National Student Council of Malaysia, and I was also. Uh, the former president of my university. So I think that's a little bit about me. Uh, thank you very much, Ben, for inviting Tabi uh, as the CSA rep from Malaysia. And I believe that we are going to have a delightful um, conversation this evening. And thank you very much and looking forward. Great. Thank you. Is you on? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Hi. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And a very good evening, I be to all. Um, my name is Muhammad Izan Faiz. Ben Rahman, just call me Izwan. Um, currently in my final year, Bachelor in International Affairs Management in University of Malaysia. Um, also currently I'm a president for the Student Representative Council in UUM and a successor for Jamila in the National Council. Um, uh, apart from that, uh, I'm an alumni for student volunteers. Back in 2019, I went to Laos for the volunteerism and also uh, alumni for Malaysian Youth Parliament members, um, third batch. Um, and I want to take to this opportunity to thanks to Ben and Kevin um, for having me. Um, can't wait to start our sharing session. Thank you, Ben. All right. And Kevin, my, my guy, Kevin, let's go. Uh, thank you, Ben. And uh, I'm hello, guys. I'm Kevin Ishnai here. And um, I'm currently uh, Vice President of uh, Student Representative Council of University of Uttara Malaysia and going to be a former in, in this week, maybe a former Vice President already. I'm going to be expired soon. And then uh, uh, currently doing as a CSA country rep. And then I also represented uh, Malaysia for uh, Asian uh, and Japan Youth Forum and a member of Take Action for Social Change of Asian uh members and i hope today we have a wonderful talk session together with jamila and Izwan. and thank you uh, jamila and Izwan, for being together with us today thank you now you'd be surprised how many young people from commonwealth nations don't know one that their countries are part of the commonwealth they don't know that there are 56 countries in the commonwealth 
They don't know that Malaysia is part of the Commonwealth. So you're going to tell us about Malaysia. And I wanted to describe this diverse nation for someone who didn't even know about it. Yes? So I believe Kevin is sure. going to give us the story of beautiful Malaysia. Sure, again, man. So first of all, I will uh, proud to tell about Malaysia. And at the same time, if, uh, if I have any more that I, I left over something or anything, uh, please, uh, Izuan or Jamila can add on, maybe if I left anything. So absolutely, uh, Malaysia uh, is a diverse and vibrant country in Southeast Asia. And the population among Malaysia is that we can uh, say it was around 32 million people in Malaysia. And it's a multicultural nation that uh, we are mixed with Malays, uh, Chinese, Indian, and indigenous ethnic groups in Malaysia. So Malaysia uh, and other indigenous groups uh, make up the majority uh, is the Malays, followed by Chinese and, and Indian and other populations also. So the Malays are predominantly, uh, we can tell as Muslim, while the Chinese and Indian communities practice various religions like uh, Buddhism, Christianity, uh, Hinduism, and uh, Sikhism also. So in Malaysia, the official language that um, we are using is Bahasa Malaysia or Malay language. We are using this is the official language of Malaysia. But English, Chinese, um, Hindus, uh, Malayalis, or any other dialects are also widely spoken in Malaysia. So let's go about the history of Malaysia. Malaysia is a, a rich historical uh, place that are uh, more go for a tapestry. Uh, it was um, part of the uh, uh, maritime silk that drawing uh, influence uh, from various cultures. This was colonized uh, by the uh, Portuguese and uh, British during the, uh, before the independence of the Malaysia or before 1957. So it was notable previous of uh, originate from the Malacca uh, Sultanate and country rule. And it was a modern journey as a uh, sovereign nations. So in this um, Malaysia, when we see the economy of Malaysia, it's a diverse economy that um, in terms of manufacturing sector, like especially go for electronics, automotive and uh, machinery. And it is also a significant exporter of natural resources, for example, like uh, petroleum, palm oil, or rubber. So these types of uh, things are playing major role for economy in Malaysia. So overall, um, the country's economic growth was um, currently was impressive, transitioning from uh, agriculture to the economy to one of the focused is uh, uh, manufacturing services and technology. And over the years, Malaysia had the, uh, made the infrastructure development, education, and healthcare to developing uh, as a developing country in the region. So that's a bit about Malaysia uh, from me. Thank Maybe, you. Uh, anything from Kamila or Izwan also? Well, Kavi, you did not left anything. Just to be to make sure, uh, I just like to ask. Um, well. If I can describe Malaysia uh, using one word, right, Ben? I would describe it as Roja. Uh, tonight, you will learn a Bahasa Melayu called Roja. Roja is a, a translation to mix of everything. 
So Malaysia, I describe it as mix of everything because we are literally a nation that can work with different culture, different languages and different people, right? So I think um that is basically my point of view of Malaysia. I think Kavi almost covered everything and I feel like I'm in a history lesson. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you very much, Kavi. And I think that's all my opinion for, for, for this. Roja. Did I get that right? Rojak. Rojak. A-A-K. Rojak. Rojak. Yes, it is actually a dish. So when you come oh. to Malaysia, you should try our rojak. Right? Okay. Uh, it's okay. a very interesting meal because it's literally mixed up everything fruits and then there is uh, some sauces uh, some nuts so it's mixed up everything so that is how i describe malaysia as well because we are mixed up of everything from the diverse background but we can work together as a nation i love that you decided to sum it up in one word in the previous chat with sri lanka one of the panelists described sri lanka as a holiday so no we're describing malaysia as rojak I love it. Beautiful. So today our topic is the classrooms of Malaysia, language, Islamic religious education, and cultural diversity. The Commonwealth is a family of nations from Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, the Pacific, and Europe. Geographically alone, that's I don't know how much more diverse it could get. In the spread of nations, we have many ethnicities, many races, different forms of government. There are monarchies. There are um, bi bipartisan systems, etc. There is religious diversity, which is something that I'm keen about as a person of faith myself. And I discovered by following pages like the Ministry of Education of Brunei, Ministry of Education of Qatar, Ministry of Education of Malaysia, that I discovered that Islamic religious education is as important as math or science. And obviously from somebody who is outside of the region, somebody who is from the Caribbean, a Western part of the world that's very different. I found it quite interesting that, in fact, a division of the Ministry of Education in Malaysia is dedicated to Islamic religious education. And I want to learn today. Today, I am your student. So I will be asking you questions, but not just for me, on behalf of thousands and millions of other young people who want to learn about what life is like, what the delivery of education looks like in Malaysia and how it influences the outcomes. How does this help to, to, to prepare global citizens, employable citizens, entrepreneurs, leaders, quite keen on learning about that. We're also, we'll also be discussing language and cultural diversity. Let's get right into it. Jamila. Describe the issue in the education sector as it pertains to the language of instruction. I saw an article about Malay and English, but you can tell us about that. 
All right. Thank you very much, Ben. I uh, love that you picked this topic as our discussion tonight because I think education is uh, something that I dearly hope uh, to me, to me myself, in my heart. Because for me, I think education is very important. With education, you can change the world. Without it, you you are nothing. You are not... Uh, you can't be a change maker without education, without knowledge, right? So... The problem um, that highlighted in the article that you mentioned, right, uh, for everyone's information, uh, I believe we have also online viewer, right, uh, out there. Uh, this article that Ben shared to us is actually discussing um, uh, the concern in Malaysia's uh, education system, suggesting a potential unpreparedness uh, for the future. Because uh, now, uh, the because in Malaysia education, we keep on changing the, the main language to be learned. Right. Um. Last five years, it was fully English, so we learn math and science in English. But the next five years, it's different. We have to learn uh this math and science in Malay. So it has become a debate, right? Which language should we use? Because as we all know, English is something uh is a very important language to be learned in order for us to be marketable in uh in a, in this global world. But Malay. Language is also as important uh, because it preserves our culture identity, right? So this article is basically highlighted about the concern of using uh, which language to be used as the main language to, to, to teach the children. So uh, I think the primary issue uh, that revolves around the changes in the language of instruction is particularly shift from English to Malay, as I mentioned just now. It raises fears about the student readiness for the uh, global competitiveness because in order for us to be marketable, as I mentioned, to, for us to be uh, ready for the global, we have to be uh, good in conversing in our English, right? So... For me, my opinion for this issue, right? Um, needless to say, I think Bahasa Melayu is definitely a mandatory subject. And if it becomes the medium of instruction in school and public universities, it has to be, I mean, I my personal opinion would be Bahasa Melayu. So I would not use English as the main language if I become the minister. Why? Because there is no compromise in learning the language, right? Because if I'm a Malaysian, I should be proud of saying that that is my mother language. Bahasa Malaysia is my, my mother language. And in fact, Malaysians of all races have no problem in accepting Bahasa Melayu as the official and, uh, national language. Because I believe it's not just the lingua franca back then uh, before the independence, but also the requirement from our federal constitution. The moment you call yourself a Malaysian, you should be able to converse yourself in Malay, right? So for me, the problem of um our parents' concern is that uh they scared that if the teachers are going to teach them science and math in Malay, our their children will not be able to converse in English. So that is their main concern that you have to understand. But I believe I am the proof of the experiment uh to the government that has been changing the system from the past 10 to five uh 10 to 20 years because why in my elementary school i learned sciences and math in english but when i come to my secondary school i actually learned math and science in malay so you know how i have to shift my knowledge to a totally different language and plus i was actually uh from a boarding school uh one of the top boarding school in malaysia 
I was forced some more by my teachers. They they taught me uh math and science in uh in Malay, right? But they give us the paper, the questions in English. So what? It is kind of like mess up, right? Because you learn everything in Malay, but you was uh, you were given the questions in English. So practically, it's actually um a very um for me it was a very uh uneasy but benefit uh beneficial uh situation that I had to go through because of that I am able to converse the knowledge in both languages. So you see, it's the matter on how you tap the problem right um the government asks you to 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 learn in malay so what you need to do in order for you to be marketable in the global is that you have to uh have the initiative to learn english uh Ooh. outside of your education uh, syllabus right so i think uh that is my opinion uh regarding the issue mentioned in the article yeah if if anyone would like to add thank you uh, yeah. jamila that was beautiful I do have a follow-up question that is not on script for Izuan. Mr. President, in your opinion, do you think that this hesitation from the parents who would be closer to the period of influence of colonialism is because there is that remnant of a lack of acceptance of our own identity? There is, in many Commonwealth countries, the residue of I don't like my hair, my language, my music, my dress, because for decades and centuries in many countries, we were taught that it is less. Do you feel that this hesitation from the parents towards Malay being the language of instruction has anything to do with that? Right. Thank you, Ben, for the wonderful question. To answer that question, uh, Mr. Band, as we know, right, like Kevin and Jamila said just now, um, Malaysia is a diverse and multicultural country, right? We are living since 19, I mean, before 1957, since our independence day, right? But current, currently, we are living in what we call a post-norm. We, we are living in what we call is unpredictable, right? Unpredictable environment here. When it comes to language, when it comes to our nationality and so on, for me, the most important things or the key of this chaos is back to the nationalism itself. Of mm. course, um, like Jamila said just now, um, when it comes to um, language in Malaysia, um, Malay, Bahasa Melayu Malaysia is a, a what we call is a multilingual society. Uh, but when it comes to a language, this is our, our national language uh, under the Federation Constitution um, here in Malaysia. But doesn't mean um, we cannot learn about other language then. Same goes to when it comes to um, our um, other language, when it comes to cultural, for example, Ben, Mr. Ben. So the priority here as a Malaysian, I can see, the, the main thing is, of course, we need to be proud of our language. We need to be proud of our identity. But the main thing is how we um, sustain it and how we encourage our current generation. Because um, there's a new challenges, I believe, like Mr. Ben said just now, the, the type of um, conversation. I believe um, the terms or we can um, translate it to the globalization. Now, uh, 
I do believe um, globalization is a type of a new um, colonization. But doesn't mean when we, we talk about the um, globalizations, it means we are living in um, things that cross our borders. Now, for, for example, now, right, through this online platform, I can get no Mr. Ben, right? So means like this is the borderless world now, Mr. Ben. We need to um, accept it and we need to be adaptable. But doesn't mean when we talk about the globalization, means like, oh, I'm a less Malay. No, it's not. It shouldn't be like that. So for me, right, um, anywhere we go, um, the, the language itself, when it comes to the religion, of course, it always be part of our identity. So no compromise about that, um, Mr. Ben. Yeah, I think that's my response to your question. Thank you. Wow. Jamila and Izuan. You've 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 made big shoes to fill because now I'm going to ask Kevin his question and I mean your 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 responses have just been woo excellent <laughs> excellent Kevin do you view the policy directive to teach Malay to teach in Malay as an effort of the government to decolonize education? All right, so we're coming about of the policies in Malaysia. So it's a good question from the ban. So when we see the policy directive uh, that in Malay is the effort of the government decolonized education. So the policy directive to teach Malaysia in uh, is a national language actually. Malay is uh, considered as a national language in Malay, Malaysia, and it was intention to promote our national unity. And mm. uh, the Malay is the uh, playing a role to promoting the national unity, unity and strengthening the identity of the country among the, all the Asian countries in Malaysia. So that's why it aimed to elevate Bahasa Malaysia as the primary language of instruction in schools, institutions, since uh, kindergartens until the higher university levels in, in Malaysia. So when we see, uh, while the directive was not explicitly, was decolonizing the education, it did carry also some uh, sort of uh, asset national identity that uh, can reduce the influence of colonial language like English. And uh, this, this decolonization often involves uh, challenging or dismantling structures and system rooted uh, in colonialisms, which can include uh, language uh, policies. But in Malaysia case, when we see the Malaysia case, the move of the emphasized Bahasa Malaysia in education can be seen as a step uh, forward in terms of independence and fostering a sense of national pride uh, with, with taking Bahasa Malaysia as a national pride. So it aimed to ensure the country's citizens, regardless of ethnic background in Malaysia, had a common language that could unify them and facilitate communication across diverse communi communities in Malaysia. Even though we have a different different uh, cultures, ethnics in Malaysia, this Masa Malaysia bringing the all the ethnics uh, together uh, to have a one-way communication uh, and a national pride uh, to be not only in Malaysia, as Jamila says, it's a lingua franca language that uh, been one of the highest languages in Asian countries uh, those days. Then, uh, however, some of the uh, perspectives uh, that argue that uh, policy might have had been indirectly marginalized non-Malay ethnic groups 
which are we are they are believing that that mother tongue will uh, not the language uh, the national language or malay not should be the uh, national language something like that so these uh, efforts have been made to maintain the teaching of the other languages as subject as schools also so not uh, other languages tamil uh, english or chinese also uh, been maintained in uh, teaching in all the primary schools and secondary schools even in a uh, higher education also we are still learning other languages also uh, like uh, myself i'm taking mandarin in my university as an additional language so there's uh, no uh, marginalizations of uh, stopping uh, other languages in malaysia they're still maintaining and improving other languages also in malaysia so while the directive was explicitly framed as decolonization it do re reflect a strengthened national identity that um, we can make sure that uh, malaysia always a strengthened uh, language with with basa malaysia so this is the some of my thoughts regarding the policy directive uh, towards uh, malay as the government to decolonize education some, thank uh, you some, some thank you thank you you know i need to take a few steps back remake the poster and we need to put high level panel this is not a, just an ordinary discussion the level of response and thought you guys are some thought leaders here it is so impressive so i want to ask each of you having said what you said about globalization is one about decolonizing and about national identity jamila in your opinion starting with jamila what does language have to do with a person's identity okay thank you very much man i think this is a really interesting question um well if you ask me uh 50 years ago um language merely symbolize uh, the identities and use to signal the identities by those who speak them. Meaning to say, if you speak Malay, then you are simply Malaysian, right? If you speak uh, Chinese, then you're simply Chinese. But I think in this modern era that we are living in, uh, this, is, this should not be the only factor to ca ca characterize anyone. Because why? We live in, like Izvan said, borderless uh, world where we can learn about new languages in any seconds. If I type um, uh, or Google, um, how do I learn Chinese in 30 minutes? I can literally uh, Google that, right? And learn Chinese and can speak Chinese. But that, that doesn't mean that I'm in Chinese, right? So uh, we live in a totally different world and the world has evolved and so does um, our thinking needs to be. And I think right now, if you ask me, uh, the view of mastering one language reflects on one culture identity of a person is inevitably, inevitably void. Because the proof is me, as I mentioned, right? I grew up in a full Malay spoken uh, based family with no English intervention at all. And all of my life, I have been learning my subjects in Malay which is my national language. And the only thing that made me converse and speaks better in English is when me, myself, take the initiative to get out from my comfort zone in order to converse in English. Because I see the importance of having the skill to speak in English for my future career, right? And that what makes me who I am today. I will not be here speaking with you using the same language we are using um, if I did not uh, get myself out of my comfort zone, right? So... That 
uh, well, because it doesn't mean that when you converse really well in, for example, Malay, uh, because of what education system in your country forces you, you can't be marketable in the future due to globalization because, because it also works the same as it doesn't mean that if you speak really well in English, you are not preserving your cultural identity. Uh, because for me, you have to find the balance. Say it one more time, Jamila. Say it one more time for them, please. One more time. Okay. Uh, which part? The, the, when, when we speak I'm, well. I'm kidding. You're, you're, you're spot on. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you hit the nail oh, on the sorry. head. <laughs> okay. So what I mean is that we have to find a balance between using both languages and to fairly decide on when to use them with the right audience and the right time. Because language is not the only factor to describe someone's uh, cultural identity. We can also look at other factors like the clothes, right? Izwan is wearing our traditional clothes. Even though he is speaking in uh, English, he's also a Malaysian, we can see, because of the clothes uh, that he is wearing. So uh, for me, language is not the only thing that we have to look at to describe someone's identity. Yes, that's my answer. Yes, yes, I, I, I love that. I love that. And just to piggyback on the the um, different elements of identifying a person, you mentioned clothes. In Kenya recently, the parliament actually banned traditional attire called the, I think, the Kabaka suit. Can you imagine is one? What? I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. But can you imagine is one the Malaysian Parliament banning this sort of attire? It's unthinkable. Yeah. But your turn. Your turn. Tell us yeah. what does language have to do with a person's identity? All right. First thing first, I want to respond to the situation now. When it comes to the language, right, um, Mr. Ben, of course, language is very vital when it comes to as a bridge of our communication, right? When it comes to language, um, personally for me it's a, a fundamental. Right, an essential aspect of human communication when we talk about the language itself. Um, here in Malaysia, right, um, Ben, um, our government's focus always um focusing in terms of promoting unity, and the things that we when we talk about unity, Ben, of course, language for me is a foundations of everything. Right? how we communicate, how we interact with people, so, um. Professor Latas uh, once said, um, one of the ulama said, um, language relates to worldview since it reflects uh, the reasons of thought of a person. Uh, that's a, a word from Professor Latas. So for me, right, um, when we talk about the language, yes, of course, back here in Malaysia, um, as a Malaysian, Bahasa Melayu is our, uh, we call as a national language, but others' language also can also can be learned. There's no problem about that. Um, for example, English as a global language, how we communicate with um, other people. So for me, when we talk about the language, it's very, it's very important uh, for us, Malaysian, to learn and to master, to speak influently, um, very influenced um, to speak in Malay um, then. So that's why, as we know, right, um, Language and unity, we cannot separate these two elements, language and unity, because language, as I mentioned just now, plays a very important role in fostering um, the unity among the society or even the community here. Right. Um, so because from the language itself, um, Mr. Ben, it will um, 
effect the the understanding yeah the understanding uh, between um, here in us in Malaysian so of course when we talk about the language um, there must be a respect as well uh, for example if I speak uh, Malay here and Mr Ben cannot understand what I'm saying of course you're going to be quite offended right so when we talk about language Mr Ben of course it's all about respect and when we talk about respect you cannot um, deny it. it's part of the dignity so how we want to build the unity um, nation, of course, it's with language itself. So I strongly believe um, the language itself is the foundation of any nation to unite. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin, tell us your thoughts. Yeah, I'm totally agree with uh, Izwan and Jamila just now. So <clears throat> language is a bridge and then the communication uh, must be built uh, together. Even uh, we have a diversity in Malaysia. So this bringing up the overall <clears throat> uh, strength and unity with uh, one understanding that I totally clearly understand about uh, from Izwan and Jamila. I totally agree with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. So we're, we're, we're moving into the next segment of our discussion, which is on Islamic religious education. Iswan, what is Islamic religious education? Thank you, Mr. Van. Um, well, this is quite sensitive, right, when it comes to religion, of course. Um, in Malaysia, then, for information, right, Islam is the official religion here in Malaysia. Uh, and the majority um, of Malaysians are Muslims here. So um, when you talk about the um, religious, yes, of course, we talk about Islam as the official religion, but also others religions are, or others religious also can be followed by our Malaysians. Means that there is no... Um, issue here in Malaysia about the, the religions because when we talk about Islam, Islam taught us about the um, about the peace, Islam taught us about respect and so on. So here in Malaysia, we totally implement what had Islam taught us, um, Mr. Ben. So uh, to answer your question about the um, Islamic uh, religious education, right? Um, Islam is a, for me, right, personally, I'm not a religious person, um, Mr. Ben, but Islam for me is a part of life, right? So here in Malaysia, when we talk about the, I can um, relate Islam and respect, Mr. Ben, because here in Malaysia, right, we talk about we are a um, diverse country. We are from Indian, we are from Chinese, Buddhist, Christian, and so on. So shouldn't be any issue um, when it comes to the the religion itself so and all this is start from the education because starting from the school we learn to respect each other we learn to take care of each other so that's um the foundation of where it all begins with from the school itself so i'm strongly believe um mr ben when we talk about the islamic um religious education in Malaysia, right? Uh, it cannot be separate with the respect itself. How you want to talk about um, Islam if you cannot respect 
other people opinion you cannot respect uh, you cannot respect other people opinion and so on so here uh, in Malaysia we are totally um stressed about the respect um regardless of our uh, religious then that's about the islamic religious education itself in Malaysia okay thank you uh, is one uh, Jamila Kavine i i fully appreciate the need to tread carefully here but I also want you to feel that you're in a safe space to speak freely. I will also be asking my questions because I just don't know and I want to learn. And I believe that if the CSA represents all of these young people, it shouldn't be an artificial organization where we say we represent them, but have no working knowledge of how education works. And yeah, I'm very curious in knowing. I mentioned before we started this, talk officially that I am also a person of faith. I'm a very strong believer in my own faith. But we live in a diverse world and we should be able to learn about each other and, and, and identify how we, we harmonize in this global mm -hmm. world, even within our differences. So, yes, you told me what Islamic religious education is, but John Miller, take me through what one or two of these lessons or modules look like Practically, because you know when you have a curriculum, you have to have class one, class two, class three, topic four, this, that. So give me an idea of what a class in IRM looks like. All right, thank you, Ben. I think first of all, I would like to say thank you very much for um, mentioning this topic. Um, as what Iswan mentioned, it is a highly sensitive topic to be discussed. But I believe that um, this kind of platform, right, the Commonwealth Student Associations, when you bring up topics like this, it brings us new perspectives of yes. discussion because we're yes. not only um, under our comfortable zone, right? Um. So yeah, uh, just to add on on what Izwan has mentioned, um, the IRM, right, Islamic Religious mm -hmm. Education, we did not actually call it as IRM in Malaysia. Uh, we called it as uh, something else in Bahasa Melayu or uh, Malaysian language or Malay language. Mm -hmm. Um, well, it, to give you a more understanding. This IRM uh, is actually uh, compulsory for all Muslim students in Malaysia because this uh, Islamic religious education is there at the first place is because of our Muslim majority population, right? In Malaysia, it's a Muslim majority country. So that's why it is there. But as what uh, you also learned uh, tonight, right? Malaysia is a rojak country it's a mix of a diverse culture and everything so why why implement irm right so you must be asking that question i know for some fact my friends uh from the commonwealth youth parliament also asking the same thing when i went to Trinidad tobago it's totally a different culture than what um uh supposed to be in my country if uh it was hosted in malaysia for in fact uh when i went to Trinidad tobago uh the culture there the culture there is a party, right? So every every day we have a different party to celebrate us. But that is totally different culture than what has been practiced in Malaysia. So uh I believe that uh IRM is uh an education um that was imposed to the Malaysian Muslim uh, students in order to cover topics like uh Quranic study. Uh, Quran is our uh, holy book, 
right? Mm-hmm. Quran. Mm-hmm. So we study yeah. about our Quran. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we study about our Hadith. We study also about our faith. Faith is a uh, jurisprudence. So what happened in uh, in Islam and what you can do and what you cannot do. But I think a misconception is that if you only learn about uh, our religion, mainly based on that. The misconception is we also learn about morale, we learn about values, we learn um, things as simple as how to treat human, how, how to treat animals, how even to treat our parents, how to treat ourselves. So we learn those kind of things in our Islamic religious studies. So it's not just a, merely focusing about the religion itself. It's holistic. It's holistic. It's really holistic. And so what happened to the non-Muslim students, right? So they also have a syllabus um, where we learn Islamic religious education. They will learn uh, morale, right? Morale, right, Kavi? Uh, what is the exactly. name of the subject? Pendidikan moral. Pendidikan moral. So moral education. Moral studies. Mm-hmm. People learn mm-hmm. moral study while we Muslim students learn about this Islamic religious education. But if you can see the syllabus, it's merely uh, the same in terms of the values because I think, I believe there's no religion that teach us to kill people, right? So, you know, as simple as that, uh, the morale on how you treat people, uh, how you treat everything in the planet. So, um, maybe that... Um, would answer your questions in order to describe uh, what are the topics or the modules that we are learning in in in, in uh, Islamic mm-hmm. religious education. That was a very apt response, but I just want to explore my curiosity a little bit more. So you, you explained that it extends to everyday life. Does it also, do, do, do they put in the syllabus then in, and I, I made a mistake by saying IR. M when there's no M in the in the yeah, abbreviation. Yeah, I, I was I'm sorry. It's IR, <laughs> let's say IRE for short. Yeah. <laughs> so do, does it extend to climate change? Do you look at uh, how the Quran treats with, um, say, some poverty? Do you look at how the Quran responds to matters with health, matters with fitness? Do, does the scope of Islamic religious education um, take you into modern day issues and and how the 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 the, the system of faith and principles of Islam um, respond or what what it has to say about those things. Yep. Uh, if I can answer that question, right? To be frank, um, whatever that uh is in the syllabus, of course, it's gonna be based on our holy book, right? Uh, yes, it's yes. based on uh, what's written by our prophet. But, mm-hmm. uh, of course, how you teach the students, right? Merely mm-hmm. can be different. You can also listen to different point of views from the students, you know, based on whatever they, they brought up uh, as, right? Because not everyone has religious uh, family, even though you are a Muslim. So, I believe that this, um, time, this mm-hmm. type of classes and education is very important because it gives the platform for the students themselves to discuss what are the options, what are the opinions regarding these religious things. And, you know, they might have different opinion, but at the end of the day, we look at, um, we, we try to meet the perspective based on what's written uh, by our holy book. So I think that's the, the, the major objective of why these Islamic religious education is there at the first place in order to give the students the option to explore. Uh, because if we do not, uh, we 
if we, the government, I mean, the government is not uh, the one that responsible to give the education to the students regarding what's the the religion themselves, I think it's going to be um, irresponsible for them to do so. Uh, but I, I think, um, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's my answer to, 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 to your question just now. Thank you. Thank you. I believe um, both responses so far have been, have been, I believe, comprehensive. I just want to share my own experience as a Jamaican growing up in um, a, a country that is the majority of us are Christian. In my primary years and in my high school years, I had to take a religious education class. In fact, when I got to grade 10, which is where we get to choose our subjects for the external examination. I continued with religious education and I did it up to grade 11. For, for us, our religious education class teaches us about different religions of the world. So I have a working knowledge of what happens in Hinduism because I've been taught about that as a child. I have a working knowledge of what happens in Islam because I've been taught about that as a child. Same with Judaism. We were exposed to the symbols in, the, in those various faiths, the history, the major characters, the holy book. And, and I, I think, I certainly feel that I was taught how to respect other religions through that teaching. You know, I, I really do give credit to the Jamaican education sector. Yes. So... It's not strange to me that there is Islamic religious education. I just wanted to know what it looked like. And I feel like I just fed the curiosity of other listeners. It's not something strange in Commonwealth countries where religion is prioritized. Yes, religion is sensitive, but religion is a core part of who we are as people. Just the remember, for the life learning session right yes 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 Repeat that. means like life learning lesson absolutely absolutely yes yeah it, it is a core part of us and we can't strip the delivery of education from religious influences and religious knowledge education is not just about making employees Education is not just about giving certificates. It is the whole person. The human experience is not about counting numbers and writing formulas. The human experience is, what do I do when I'm in grief? How do I celebrate one another? What is my understanding of love and peace? Those are values deeply rooted in religion. Yes? Um, I know that if we get to parts of the world like Europe, where it's a little bit more obscure, they'll probably tell you, don't say the word religion in my class at all. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But I think today has helped me understand and it, it 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 has given me and the listeners 
a better appreciation of how it works. But just two more questions. What is this is for you? Um, this is for you, Israel. What does Islamic religious education? No, sorry. How does it prepare students for life after school? Right. Thank you, Ben. For me, just make it short. The most important um part of the Islamic religions lesson itself is the value. Like mm. um Jamila and Kevin mentioned now is the value that we're going to bring this value until the end of my life. When we talk about value, like even you said just now about love, respect, uh, empathy, and so on. So this all we learn from the Islam itself. And I'm pretty sure even other religions also thought about this kind of values, right? Kevin, you as a Hindu, also taught us about to respect each other, right? We talk about um, how to feel the humanity itself. So the most important things when it comes to the education that like I mentioned just now is a life learning lesson is the value itself. Yeah, of course, if I want to become a, a ustad, a religious person, of course, I'm going to learn deeper about the my, my religions in Islam. But for me, everyone or anyone can learn about Islam itself because this is the core value that will bring us uh, as a, a country itself or even as a nation, uh, Mr. Ben. It's very vital when it comes to value itself. Yeah. Any remarks from you, Jamila, as we transition into the next topic? I think, um, thank, thank you, Iswain, uh, for your insights. I agree with Iswain. Um, well, if I could add, right, um, I believe religion is not only teaching us uh, about the values, but it also prepares for us to be uh, well-rounded individuals uh, with a st strong moral compass, contributing to societal harmony and the cultivation of ethical citizens. Because uh, as we all know, Malaysian is diverse and uh, it's really amazing to see how uh, everyone uh, in Malaysia can respect uh, Islam as the uh, as the uh, national uh, religion, it's not compulsory, but it's a national religion uh, due to the majority population. But all of us can respect. I give you an example, Ben. When you come to Malaysia, you might be wondering why uh, there is no non-Muslim is complaining about Azan. Azan is actually a call to prayer for Muslim. So it is normal in Malaysia to hear the call for prayer out loud. Right, so everyone is listening to that, even non-Muslims. But it is a call for prayer for Muslims in Malaysia. So it has been um, uh, that that is I think the best example I could give to you on how respectable, uh, Malaysians can be when it comes to accepting Islam as the national um religion, right? And I think this is that it is here because our uh, because our maybe uh grandparents taught us on how to respect that at the first place because we have been uh, living together diversely from the from be, from before the independence right so we have been treated with respect way before also so i think that is one of the reason why it is acceptable in our country and maybe it doesn't applicable to others uh, but it it does work in malaysia so that's why uh, my my 
my uh, description to Malaysia, Rojak, right? The mix. Rojak. Yeah, Rojak. Yes, Rojak. Rojak. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, it's yes. there because yes. everyone accepts uh, each other's religion, right? Mm. Thank you. Um, Kevin, I have a question for you. A general question. How do you feel the education sector has treated with the diversity in its classrooms with respect to religion, yet being a country that prioritizes religious values so importantly? So balancing the diversity, but still its predominant religious value. How do you feel it has done? Okay. Thank you, Ben, for the question. So come again with the question with the diversity. As I said, um, Malaysia um, is the largest ethnic group with Malays. And then um, they are contribute a significantly <clears throat> the major cultural identity in Malaysia. So in Malaysia also the traditions like uh, Chinese community and uh, Indian community, and they are celebrating uh, diverse festivals and practicing various religions and rich layers of heritage uh, from Indians and own custom languages and religious practices also in Malaysia. Not only that, additionally, we also have like Orang Asli, Sabah and Sarawak natives bring the unique uh, traditions and beliefs and also in terms of uh, engagement in the education in Malaysia. So uh, I would like, diversity is very big. So I would like to touch about some festivals in Malaysia and then uh, arts and traditions, and also especially the foods uh, of in Malaysia. So in Malaysia, maybe when you come here, you can uh, try different uh, culture foods, different types of foods in Malaysia. So first of all, uh, as I said, uh, in Malaysia, the religious was diversity. We have the official uh, Religion is Islam, religion, and then uh, because the Malay is the majority, and then we have Buddhism, Christians, Hindus, uh, Sikhs, and many more other different ethnic groups also in Malaysia. So festivals come to festivals that are celebrated in Malaysia. So if you see the Malaysia calendar, education cal calendar, we have a lot of holidays and coming is uh, Christmas, it's same goes holiday also for everyone. In uh, even though uh, Indians or Malays, we are celebrating. We get the national holiday. For even though, for example, uh, it's Hari Raya, Indians and uh, Malays, uh, other Chinese also get the holiday. So it's not a particularly or uh, Malay only getting the holiday. So we are celebrating all the uh, festivals together. So it was the unique of Malaysia. So what? Uh, festival in Malaysia. Uh, maybe I can list out some. Uh, Hari Raya IDP3. When you, when you are here, Ben, on March, that time is uh, fasting month. Uh, they are near Ramadan. Yes, exactly. So that, that's a fasting month uh, near to Hari Raya. Next, uh, Chinese New Year is uh, in the middle of February and Deepavali usually falls on November. Christmas is uh, of course, you know, 25th of November. And these are the major festivals that celebrated in Malaysia. 
So yes, we have Sarawak Day. Uh, like Iban, uh, Gawai Hari Gawai. Sorry, Hari Gawai and other religion uh practices and festivals also celebrated together and given as a national holiday. Was this is the uh way they are bringing up the diversity level uh and the strengthen among the all the cultures. So these celebrations are bringing uh, ethnic boundaries by different uh, backgrounds. We learn about their festival and so on. And come uh, comes to the very important part here about the cuisine, about the <laughs> food and beverages in Malaysia. You should try when you are here. Uh, the the we can say the uh, the traditional Malay food, uh, I believe, is nasi lemak. Uh, sorry if I, I'm mistaken. Uh, nasi lemak is uh, the traditional Malay food, for, I, I, I guess. And then uh, Chinese and Indians are more to curry, curry foods. Like uh, we, we are more to curries. And then each ethnic have their own uh, uh, cuisine that you have to try. Maybe you can try Indian, Chinese and uh, Malay food when you are here. And we are also different in arts and uh, traditions in terms of uh, just now uh, Jamila highlighted Izwan, the traditional dress of Izwan uh, wearing and then the tudung of uh, Jamila wearing and this is also a batik, batik also a, a national uh, dress one of the national dress of Malaysia and we have uh, Indian tra traditional dress Sorry, Kevin, I'd just like to add. Uh, our government actually uh, make it compulsory for all the parliamentarians to wear batik. Uh, the one that Kavi is wearing uh, every Thursday, right, Kavi? Yes, exactly, Jamila. Yeah. Only two types are... Uh, I thought it was just a nice stylish shirt because I have a shirt just like that in my closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. You have I, I realize, I realize. <laughs> Yeah, so Malaysia, uh, thank you Jamila for that. Yeah, Malaysia is highlighted, uh, batik is a traditional dress and then have to be wear in the parliament every compulsory, but only in the parliament, all the government staffs have to wear the batik dress on Thursday. It's the highlighted in Malaysia and then shows the strength of uh, uh, tradition in Malaysia. So overall, um, I, I speak a lot already maybe. Overall, Malaysia's cultural diversity is bringing up the strength and the various traditions, language, practices, and bringing to the harmony Malaysia and colorful Malaysia in the bringing the identity of the diversity among the Asian countries. That's all that. That was beautiful. I, and, and I think you answered the follow-up question. But you see why learning from each other is so important. Because here I thought, I'm on vacation, right? And I have this shirt. Can you guys see? It's one of my favorite shirts. I'm thinking, wow, Kevin has my style. But no, <laughs> this has nothing yeah. to do with <laughs> this shirt. <laughs> it's an official shirt. <laughs> yeah. All right, so thanks for telling us about that, um, Kevin. And you, you took us through a description of the cultural diversity in Malaysia. And I think the way you answered it helped us understand that, um, if I may call the groups minority groups, because they're not the majority, they, they don't even sound like a minority. 
They're part of the mix. They're part of the Rojak. Beautiful Rojak. Yes. Uh, with half of the population being Muslim Malay, how does the education sector balance delivering education to them while catering to the diverse needs of students of non-Malay students? Boy, I think you guys have answered that, but if you want to add anything to it, I'm throwing that out to anyone. All right. Uh, maybe I, I'll add, uh, because sure. I think I've already um, highlighted everything regarding mm -hmm. the holidays, right? The holidays. Mm -hmm. That really brings us uh, as one uh, nation. But I think um, maybe if I could add, uh, just recently, the the Malaysian government, um, I, I'm not sure whether you are aware, we um, we had our election, the national election uh, last November, last mm. year. So it's a new government um, uh, for, the, for the year, for this year. So I think uh, one good thing about our current Ministry of Education, right? She actually imposed uh, to all uh, schools to have... Um, extra languages classes for to learn uh, Chinese and also Tamil. Uh, so uh, these students, uh, these primary school students, and uh, I think secondary already have, but they can, they are able to learn Chinese and also Tamil. And um, I think there are a few sets of other languages as well uh, in as, as early as primary school. So I think that is a really wonderful um initi uh, initiative by the Ministry of Education in order to bring us together. Because as what Israel mentioned, right, this is the foundation of uh, communication um uh, of, of the people of the world, right? Language. So I believe uh by this initiative, um uh, people like me, if I were to be in primary school right now, I can learn uh on how to speak in Chinese. I can learn on how to speak uh how to speak in Tamil in order for me to converse with my Chinese and also Indian friends, right? So uh that is one of the initiatives uh, brought up by the new government. Uh and I think uh recently the Prime Minister also commented on this. Uh, our Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim, he also commented that this is a successful implementation, but also um we are still progressing. There are some uh pro and cons of this um implementation, but uh I believe it is on the right track and I think it's more on the pro side than the con side. So I think that's all. Uh, what I would like to ask. Uh, sorry, what I would like to add on your question just now. Uh, what the education sector, uh, do uh, or does to balance out uh delivering education to both uh, non Malay and Malays. Thank you, thank you. I mean that's um, could I say that that's an ambitious policy directive? To add, to add, you you already you're you're already balancing Malay and English, and then to add Tamil and did you say Mandarin? Yes, Mandarin Chinese. Oh yeah. wow, that's that's very but, interesting. Uh, Actually, that's... So, uh, so Jamaica is neighbored by Cuba, which speaks Spanish, and Haiti, which speaks French. Yet for decades, different governments have said. Jamaica should be a bilingual country by now, but no administration has taken a step towards implementing a policy. I think I should be, I should be, I should be able to speak some Spanish. I'm right now, right now I'm in the Dominican Republic yeah. and I'm uh -huh. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. <laughs> well, uh, but it should be. Uh, yeah, so so, so kudos. The right of the government, right? Yes, kudos. The right of the government. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
kudos to the government of Malaysia. Yes? Yeah. All right. Um, is one. Cultural diversity is a strength, but it can also be a source of conflict. Has it caused conflict in Malaysia? Has it been an issue in the education sector? Uh, no, Mr. Ben, I'm probably to say no. Because as we know, right, um, cultural diversity, education in Malaysia is a centric, I can say a centric part of our country educational system. Um, I still remember our founding fathers, the first prime minister of Malaysia, Tunku Brahman, once said, uh, tolerance is the key of our independence. So I mean, by meaning, the tolerance itself, it's still um, strong until now. Means when it comes to tolerance, it's all about um, how we respect, how we accept people's opinions. So if we don't have this kind of value, the toler tolerance itself, uh, Mr. Ben, it's very hard for us to living together in Malaysia. So when it comes to cultural and diversity educations, as we know, right, um, here in um, Malaysia, yeah, we are going, uh, we are ongoing effort um, to build a society, um, uh, values, and of course, celebrate differences. Yeah, when we talk about diversity, of course, differences, um, while fostering a sense of national identity and unity. Uh, we talk about the nationalism itself just now uh, during the first session. So, for example, uh, Ben, I want to share uh, in Malaysia when it comes to cultural diversity, um, education, um, for example, the multicultural curriculum, when we talk about the core curriculum, the national curriculum includes um, the elements that reflect Malaysia that Jamila and Kevin mentioned just now. Like, even I'm a Malay, I also can learn about other languages, for example, Mandarin or even um, Tamil. So that's a, what we call the multicultural curriculum, that the contributions, um, regardless of my, uh, my, uh, my religious or my, my identity. And the second one that... Um, I want to add on what Kevin mentioned about this now is the cultural festival and the celebration. Yes, uh, in Malaysia, we have a lot of holidays. <laughs> when it comes to um, Deepavali for Indian, for Taipusam for Indian, for the Chinese New Year, uh, as a Muslim, we have an idol victory. So we celebrate those um, celebrations, uh, Mr. Ben. So for me, when we talk about the cultural diversity educations, it's not about the the formal education only, but apart mm. from that, it's very a huge agenda. We can learn it. Um, the best um platform that we can learn is by we practicing it when we talk about the cultural diversity. But here in Malaysia, that's the 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 one of the effort that been made. We celebrate any celebrations. Uh, we talk about um we respect each other. So for me, that is the best practice. Uh, when we talk about the cultural diversity education here in Malaysia itself, Benjamin, because when it comes to addiction, of course, it's only in school. But the most important thing is how uh, we convince, how we encourage our new generation now to practicing it, to make it um, as a daily or as a habit here in Malaysia. Thank you, Mr. Ben. Thank you very much. Hi. Yes, uh, Jamila, go ahead. I actually have a very different opinion from his mm. one regarding this conflict because... Um, yeah, I, I agree with on everything that you said. Um, but then uh me myself, um, right, I have faced uh conflict because of these cultural differences uh when I entered my university. And I believe I never faced that before because I was um in public education. So where 
everything is fine. It's all controlled by the government. The syllabus is fine. Everyone has a uh, balanced, um, you know, needs and wants. But then, uh, when I entered my university, um, it is a majority Chinese university, uh, MMU Markham. So I faced a conflict where, um, all of my friends in my university are Chinese, right? And they refuse to speak in English. So they would prefer to speak in Mandarin instead of Malay as a national language or English because of uh, that is how they grew up in with, right? Because in Malacca, uh, Malacca is an, uh, a state, one of the states in Malaysia. Uh, actually, not majority, but uh, almost half of the population in Malacca is Chinese. So uh, this type of Chinese actually live among Chinese and they speak Mandarin, right? They speak Mandarin their, their whole life. They go to Mandarin schools even. So they they refuse to speak in national language. So that gives me the, that, that brings the conflict when it comes to me having to work with them in group assignments, right, in our university. So I face that conflict. But then I think um, uh, it's not a problem. If you 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 have the key, like Izuan said, the key of this issue is actually tolerance. So, uh, once we we speak out, right? I what I did was that I tapped on my Chinese friends and I said how uncomfortable I am that they speak, uh, Mandarin only, uh, to me, right? Where I I don't understand at all and. You know, we, we were trying to discuss about assignments so they can just, you know, speak in English if they don't really converse well in Malay. Um, but then um, I think they, they, they took my courage um, of voicing that out um, in a good way uh, that they accept and they, they never speak um, Mandarin in front of me anymore. So I think um, this type of conflicts, to be frank, right, Ben, it's not all beautiful in Malaysia. There, there are some... Um, conflicts and problems that we're going to face because of these differences that's that's just the reality of the world that we're living in right even you and me different not about religion also we could have conflict because of different um stand of opinion right so i believe uh i have to state out the reality because that is the reality that some of us maybe not covid and not Israel, but i faced when I was in my university uh, time. And I think um, it's the matter of being tolerant, being uh, vocal about your rights, uh, being vocal about what's right and what's wrong. Um, that will give you uh, the respect that you deserve. So with this tolerance and respect, I believe we can live in harmonious um world yeah but there is conflicts um uh, mr ben uh, if 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 i may add yeah. all right so we're, we're coming down to it i have one question and a remark before i invite the panelists to give their closing remarks you mentioned Corey, kevin i saw on iswan's page i was talking a page iswan i saw that he did a sponsored ad for subway and there is an option to put curry on your Subway sandwich. Did I get that right? Yeah, Ben. I mean, Kevin, it's a, a Subway campaign during our Independence Month. Uh, Subway yeah. sandwich with the curry flavor. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, you know right. Jamaicans love curry gravy. Uh, okay, we, good, 
there is a because of our history, Indians came as indentured servants to the Caribbean, and many of them came to Jamaica and brought things, you know, from Indian cuisine. And you know, we love curry. I love curry gravy. So when I saw that you were putting curry on the subway sandwich, I was like, uh... I'm, I'm I'm getting that when I come. Another more <laughs> serious remark, um, Jamila, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here. Please pardon me if I have. I find your delivery to be quite compelling. One, you're an excellent public speaker. Two, you're very forceful and assertive. Now, there is a view that in the Islamic world, women are silenced. You certainly don't give that impression. Is this a Jamila or is it that in Malaysia, women are being empowered because you certainly represent an empowered woman. Tell me about that. Interesting. And well, you are wrong. I have to say that you are wrong, uh, that you said that Islam doesn't empower women. No. In fact, there is a surah. Um, what is a surah in English? There is a verse in yes. our Hollywood that yes. only talk about women. Yes. Only talk about how Islam empowering women and how you know men should treat us. There is a specific verse on how to do that in Islam, and I believe that there is no verse talking about women cannot be vocal, women cannot be empowered, women cannot be no, because in fact, in other words, that Islam is actually bringing women out. That there is literally a surah about women. So I believe maybe uh. We, what whatever that you've read maybe uh has been mistakenly uh uh take from whatever Islam is practicing, uh but I do get a lot I do I do get that a lot in 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 even in my own uh conservative uh, culture because there are some people that is still conservative uh in this in giving women the power to lead right uh but I believe me Ben I've been through this a lot that. First, I've been uh disregard because of my religion, right? Because mm, I'm mm. Uh, I am the minority in my university, but at the end of the day, I won the election and I became the first Malay and women president in my university. So, you know, it's more of the action, less talk. So, um, as long as you can deliver whatever uh that you are fighting for, um, and it's not, you know, um. Uh, uh, are writing Islam as the religion. So, what's what's wrong with that, right? Uh, because in Prophet, our Prophet itself, his uh wife is a successful businesswoman. Our Prophet, so he him himself, right, has that type of wife that is very vocal, very successful. So why why should uh this man right now with this conservative mind? Things that oh women cannot lead no they can't say that so I'm, I'm I'm really sorry for putting you in this position for saying that you're wrong but you are wrong in that uh, in that sense yeah I am I'm happily corrected I told you I'm here to learn <laughs> I, I I I'm one of the best students you'll find I accept correction readily yes <laughs> so in closing we have been asking the panelists to render their closing remarks in their mother tongue and to summarize the translation. So I'm going to ask you, putting you on the spot here, to render your closing remarks in your mother tongue. I think this was a very good discussion. Thank you so much for your time. 
Um, I, I really hope that young people across the various regions of the Commonwealth will, will tune in and begin to see the CSA Fireside as not just a conversation, but a resource for lifelong learning. You're learning about ways of thinking, ways of life outside of what you know. Yes? So who is going to start with the closing remarks? Well, maybe, maybe I'll... Maybe. <laughs> <Jamila>. <laughs> so, uh, well, my closing remarks, I think um, I would just like to say very much thank you uh, to Kavi for inviting me to this talk and also Ben for organizing this series where I think I've never seen any initiative that brought different perspective from this, uh, from different countries, um, you know, to, to be having a platform to discuss about their own cultural issues, their nation issues. I think this is a really good platform and more students should be aware on this. I, If I was a student president right now, I would have been, you know, really go big on the marketing for CSA, but I, I am no longer the student leaders. Uh, so I might just be passing this over to Izwan. So make sure you, you get all students to know about CSA in the future, because I think Commonwealth uh, Student Association is very, very important. Um, as me myself, I I was the youth parliament, but I I I did not know about these associations, right? So um, it uh, the the effort has to be there. Uh, we uh the student leaders is one you have to, you know, market this platform so that more students are aware and join uh this uh beneficial uh, organization and that's uh thank you very much ben i hope i will see you in malaysia in march yeah. if, if kabi uh asked me to join la right <laughs> uh if you can see in malaysia please uh do give me a call or text or, or anything i would be happy and very honored to uh you know serve you in my country uh and i hope you will like malaysia because it's as beautiful as we speak yeah thank you very much ben thank you kavin thank you Izwan. i had a very delightful session with all of you and uh see you guys anytime in the future thank you thank you Izwan. right um lastly i want to see my highest gratitude to Ben, um, Kevin and Jamila, it's been an honor for me to uh, be one of the panel for this session. Of course, when it comes to last word, right, um, as a human being, as a Malaysian, I really hope, um, of course, for unity in, in our country, Malaysia, remains uh, a significant and ongoing, ongoing aspirations for us, not only in Malaysia, but uh, globally, right, Ben? Um, of course, there will be a challenges and an issue, but... Of course, we also have hope, right? The hope for the unity um, in Malaysia persists uh, through a collective um, understanding between us. And I really hope um, our sharings today um, give something um, to you, Ben, and to all the, 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 the person that watch our session uh, now. And I really hope uh, that I can meet you um, in March next, next year, right? March in Malaysia, um, hopefully, Kevin. Um, so I hope uh, everything going to be is um, and this kind of platform, of course, like Jamila said, should be um, promote to the students because yeah, the platform is there. Um, stop um waiting for the opportunities. We need to look for it. So this kind of platform, I believe, um, it's a very important platform for us, or well, not for me and Jamila or Kevin, but 
all of us here in Malaysia to get involved and um, what we call to expose ourselves, right? So I think that's all. Again, thank you. Thank you. Kevin. Okay, uh, as a closing remarks, I want to teach uh, one more word to Ben tonight. As you learned the Rojak, right? I want to uh, teach you about Terima kasih. It's a thank you uh, from Malaysia. So I would like to say thank you for Ben. Uh, Terima kasih Ben, uh, Jamila and Izwan for being a part of uh, this, this fire talk today. And it's, I was totally very happy that seeing Malaysia stand a shining example of how multiple ethnicities, traditions and languages that in our nation. So very proud of my Malaysia. And uh, sure, uh, as uh, Jamila said just now, um, uh, CSA will be a part uh, for every institution of public university and private university as a uh, official body in Malaysia very soon. So we are working towards on it. And then, uh, sure, uh, I will invite Jamila and Izuan, ben, uh, ben over here. We, we can have a session together with, uh, uh, not formal session, it's an informal session together with Ben and their members when they are in Malaysia. And today we have a wonderful talk about uh, language, Islamic religion, education, and cultural diversity. In myself, I learned a lot from Jamila and Izwan, especially on Islamic religious education, the importance of the national language, and I hope same goes to Ben today. So it was a wonderful, delightful session today, and thank you guys for having me, and that's all for me, Ben. See you soon in Malaysia. Thank you so much. Um, just my few closing thoughts. I want to give my highest regards to Kishva Ambigapathy, who connected the CSA with Kevin. And I mean, Kevin hit the ball rolling immediately. His work ethic is unparalleled. We appreciate you, Kevin. We haven't met in person, but you have just been committed to the task. And I just want to express appreciation to you as well as to Kishva. Um, to the panelists, if I could just share my screen very quickly so that you know what it is we're about. Um, the theme of the Year of Youth Tour is One Resilient Common Future, Students as Co-Creators and Stakeholders in Education. We're coming to um, 13 countries to have high-level meetings with ministers of education, youth, perhaps heads of state where they are willing to meet with us. Our target is to engage by mixed modality, 5,000 students, 2,000 teachers. We are looking into establishing officially a home for the CSA and assisting three countries in creating national student representative bodies. This is the team of executive leaders from the CSA Proudly a part of this team. Um, the Year of Youth Tour will bring grassroots advocacy, high-level engagement, and capacity building to student leaders and stakeholders from Kenya, Namibia, South Africa, Mauritius, Seychelles, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Maldives, Brunei, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Samoa Vanuatu, um, from February 12 to April 25. Our objectives include improved, improved visibility, strengthened credibility, improved sustainability and bolstered impact. And finally, to show you the team, I just want to, of course, highlight our guy, 
See him here, Kevin. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Looking forward to engaging and have a good night. Thank you, everyone.